Welcome to the West of North London podcast, where the World Cup may be winding down, but our troubles are just getting started. I'm Caleb. <laughs> and I'm Tim. Uh, Tim, we, we've, we've been missing for a minute, but you're, uh, you've been dead to the world because you are, you are the World Cup king at your bar. Yeah, no, I mean, it's because it's, it's we were talking in the offline. I've uh, basically been up around 5.30 every morning, going to bed at like 1 o'clock in the afternoon, catching every game about two to three times because we have replays at the bar. So yeah, uh, it's uh, it's World Cup fever and I definitely have <laughs> seen a lot of the World you were, Cup. You were sick with the fever. Yes. No, I mean, it's been lovely. And like, you know, today when there's been as we record, not a, uh, not a game today. I'm, I'm kind of confused about what I'm supposed to do, you know? Oh, totally. It's yeah, the, the withdrawals are real. You get used to having something. I, mean, I guess I could have watched the, I did not. And I should have the, uh, women's, uh, game, the women's Arsenal game, which, uh, they've been doing awesome and are on the verge of, uh, qualifying for the uh, knockout round for champions mm-hmm. league. So yeah, I, but I guess there is too much soccer at some point. It, it it's probably better for your your mental health to take a break once in a while. <laughs> I mean, I've been literally dreaming about soccer. It's been pretty intense. <laughs> the, tet- the Tetris effect, where you just see it in your sleep. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's a lot. I mean, they pack they pack it in, and so it, it is kind of weird to suddenly just have it stop for a couple of days, but. We're not not quite done yet. The big game, the real big games are coming up. I feel like it's we've we get into the real um, meat and potatoes of this thing now that we get into the quarterfinals. Uh, yeah, I mean we'll talk about it, but there's been some uh, pretty tasty games already. So um, I'm if if the uh, previous games are any uh, any show of what's going on, the the quarterfinals should be amazing. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, we got drinks. I've I, I'm I've got a a seasonal favorite today. Oh, I'm going with a little you? bit of a uh, spiked eggnog. Oh yes, and I, I'm addicted to eggnog this year. I don't know. I it, we got we got some early, and I'm just like, just keep it coming. I'm I'm, I'm probably drinking way too much of it, but it's it's just so good. So is it a uh, a single like is it a already spiked eggnog? Or are you buying the plain eggnog and putting I something put, in I it? I put some whiskey in this. Ooh, yeah, what whiskey? Uh, I did the Pendleton. Nice. Um, yeah, it's good. It it it's it's got it's kind of some spiciness to it, so I like it. I I love eggnog. The funny thing is, I forget about eggnog existing other than this time of year. But I yeah, I probably actually should buy some eggnog and do. Go on your train. Yeah, I got the. There, there's some real nice, nice eggnog out there, and that stuff is like you pay a premium for it. I got the cheapy stuff this time, and I'm still fine with it. Doesn't matter. I mean, really, it's just like milk, sugar, and some raw egg, right? Like it doesn't have to be that exciting. No, they they add some other stuff. Like I'm sure this has like some high fructose corn syrup. It's just like the generic <laughs> eggnog, but I don't care. I don't care at all. You know what? My other favorite seasonal drink for this time of year is hot buttered rum. Oh yes, I like that as which well. Probably after the the Christmas season, when you don't need as much of the uh, the the spice mix, is probably going to be the best time for mm-hmm. it. Yeah, but I I highly approve of very good. <laughs> Thank you. I I was I, I wanted something hot, and I was like, wait a second, why not just do eggnog? Yeah. 
much less work. Oh yeah. That. What do you have this week? Well, my buddy uh, dropped off a couple beers from uh, Sovereign Brewing down in Seattle, which I have not had a chance hmm. to go to. They're out in uh, Georgetown, from what I know, and they're they very much have the the kind of the same aesthetic as uh, Holy Mountain, a little bit of a, a metal, darker theme to their labels and things. And so the beer I'm drinking, I just popped the cap, is Time Crystallis is the name of the beer. It is a ale aged on stone fruits, which I love it. The, uh, it's a, Ooh, it's a, it is a labeled bottle. So like a numbered bottle and it is a blend of spontaneously fermented beers from their cellar and it's put on fruits of the season. So this one uses nectarine and peaches. It just sounds like we found we found a bunch of beers that just magically grew in our cellar and bottled them. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm all about that. So let me uh, let me give you a taste. So I should tell you what it comes in at if I can see it. What's the ABV? Has to legally be on here. I thought I don't see this, an ABV this is, on here. Just sounds like some moonshine stuff that they just found in someone's house. <laughs> yeah, I'm not seeing the ABV on this, so I don't know. I could be very uh, loopy by the end of it, but let me give it a taste. That is goddamn delightful. <laughs> that is like, th this is totally my type of beer. It is, oh, a funky, but not a sour. You can taste it. Oh, I'm happy. Just some stone fruit funk. Oh, I just totally butchered that. Stone fruit funk. There we go. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I I have a feeling you might not like it's not yours. I have another one that I'll bring from uh, for next week that my buddy gave me. That's a, a spontaneous fermented IPA that might be up your alley. But this one is goddamn absolutely lovely. What does spontaneously fermented mean? It means that they're using uh, the natural yeast okay. that's in the air. They're not adding their own strains of yeast. They just kind of have an open vat when they get to the fermentation stage. So you're grabbing whatever yeast mm -hmm. so it's a uh, it can be a less clean taste but it, it's a lot more surprising it has that funky uh weirder taste to it it's like sourdough but uh yeah exactly very much the the same idea so it has a yeah a fun taste i this is a 10 out of 10 this is a beer one of the best beers i've tasted this year for sure <laughs> And it, yeah, I can't say enough about it. This is this is amazing. Wow. Isn't it weird that we're just all constantly breathing yeast? It's just in the air. Mm -hmm. It's all around us. <laughs> it's everywhere. Like uh, you can uh, ferment by just putting, if you have like grapes or whatever, and you're putting them in, if you just don't wash the fruit before you like try and ferment it, you'll get natural yeast on it. I saw someone uh, do a uh, juniper berry fermentation where they just took juniper berries and crushed them and there's a natural coating of yeast that's on juniper berries that will start fermenting huh. interesting yeah. i like this idea of just throwing some stuff and in and seeing what happens yeah there's a couple of breweries there's a what is it garden path that's a just south of here in bellingham that does only natural fermentation or spontaneous fermentation there'll be a new one in downtown bellingham but they're fermenting in the basement in downtown Bellingham. And I'm a little interested to see what yeast strains you get in it's, a basement in downtown it's Bellingham. It's yeasty and slightly moldy. 
It's that <laughs> exactly. black mold kick. Well, I went on a, a tour of a, I think it's a sake, but it's a Asian rice wine. And to ferment that, they actually do use a mold, which I didn't know you could ferment oh. with. Yeah. Okay. Like, uh, I'm trying to think of what it is. Is it um, not natto, which is like fermented soybeans? Okay, oh, and that and, and, and it that, wasn't this is, that's that's like a snack that they have. But I I wonder if they just I wonder how they do that fermentation process. I'm sure it's similar to like yeah, kimchi it, or something like that, where you're um you're just naturally pulling in yeast from whatever is in the container when you seal it up and then letting it kind of do its thing. Yeah, kind of. But the, as I said, it's a mold. it wasn't a sake. It's a sochu. Sochu uses a, a mold and not a, a yeast to. Mm. Uh, to ferment. Interesting. Oh gosh, I could talk about this beer all day long, but we probably should move we on. Should. Um, what's your Timbit this week? Oh, my Timbit is uh, seeing the, uh, you know, the last couple quarterfinals, which went to penalty kicks for both Japan and Morocco during the World Cup, which were both amazing. I was highly on Team Japan mm-hmm. and got my heart broken and highly on Team Morocco and didn't get my heart broken. But uh, if there's a point where Arsenal goes to spot kick, what is your lineup for the Arsenal team for spot kicks? Ugh. I hate, I, I hate, I hate penalty kicks. I, I, I find yeah. it to be one of the worst parts of the game. Um, What does my team look like? Gosh, you know who I miss? I really miss uh, Ainsley Maitland Niles, that guy. Stone Cold. <laughs> Need him in my my penalty kick team. Um, I'm just pulling up a team list so I don't forget anybody here. Uh, you gotta have Sokka. Yeah, do you start with Sokka? Yes, I. I think so I think too. He's that he's he's got that he's got that confidence now that I feel like you gotta have that that first player be confident and that trickles down. They get that goal. Yeah, I think after. After his miss in the uh, Euros, I think he's totally become specialized in it. And now when I've seen him take kicks, he comes up and takes and just buries it. So I think he's actually gotten better from that miss yeah. in the Euros. Um, I think you got to... Hmm, I, I say Jesus is not in my lineup. Oh, really? He's not a good penalty kicker. He doesn't want to do it. Oh, that's interesting. I think I, he, he's he doesn't take penalties. He's, he doesn't score goals from that position. Uh, a player that doesn't score them on a reg, in the regular run of of a game, I wouldn't put him in in that position at the end. I feel like that. I if he's in, he's like deep. He's a, he's a deep player. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, how many players am I doing here? What, what like do my five? five. Okay, do your five. Uh, Odegaard's in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Zinchenko's in there. Oh, I like that. And it's funny, we haven't seen a lot of these guys take penalties, so it's kind of hard to go off of any, any, yeah. any actual knowledge here. Um, I'm going. Man, the way he's been playing lately, I I would kind of put Jaka in there. I I see that Jaka has a a boot on him. 
I just wonder if that would be if he'd put too much on it because we've seen we we definitely have seen him. Hmm, that's a tough one. Where does my last slot go to? Wait, I know missing one or player. two. It's a, you're Sokka? doing you're doing you're missing one. So you have Sokka, Odegaard, Zinchenko. Uh, Zinchenko. Uh, oh, so I'm you are missing two. two. I put Martinelli in there. Yeah, that's the one I was wondering if you're going to say. And yeah, I I'll, I'll stick with Shaka. Why not? Yeah. Yep. Okay, that's it. What do you got? I think I'm pretty close to you. Uh, maybe a Smith Rowe if he if you sub him out on late. Yeah, that's the tough one. Like, there's kind of like fringe players. I'm like, well, what if they're playing that, you know, late in the game? I guess you'd probably use them. Could be anybody. It's not like that's limited, but I'm just thinking of guys that regularly play too. I'm also thinking uh, you're going to probably put a sneaky defender in there. And I think I would go with a a Gabriel. Hmm. He's shown that he can uh, put a goal in the net from the defensive, usually with his head, but. Uh, I I I think uh, Gabriel might be a, a a good shout for that uh, penalty spot. What if What if Ben White, who never scores, is secretly just a <laughs> a, a a killer when it comes to the penalty oh. spot? Well, I mean, you talk. What, what about a, a Tommy Asu? Mm. I can see Tommy Asu being a good penalty taker. I want to see everybody's penalty now. Like I want. But it's not the same if like they were to do this in training and you just got to see them run through the the team. You got to be in a high pressure situation. That's what matters. Yeah, that's what really decides whether you're a good penalty kicker or not. I mean, I guess it, it's shown that Tommy also did not take penalties for Japan, so yeah. <laughs> maybe he's uh, not feeling super confident. Ramsdale, do you think he could take a good penalty? Ooh. Goalkeeper penalty? I, I always love a, a goalkeeper who's uh, up for a penalty. I bet he'd love to try because uh, it, it would be, uh, it, he's usually on the other side of it where he gets to try to get into player's yeah. head. I bet he would, he would have fun just like knowing all the tricks and just like, nah, you're not going to phase me with all your little head games. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think he's, he would, he would probably enjoy himself. I mean, speaking of tricks, I think that's where Jaka would shine. I think Jaka would just get into the keeper's head, you know, just, like just he, get a, a little nut grab on the way up. And uh, yeah, like he'd, he, he would definitely go up to the keeper and shoot some words to uh, him before taking the penalty, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I could, I could definitely see him playing some, some games leading up to the kick. <laughs> the shit housery would be in fine form. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we should probably dig into this. We've there's been a lot that we haven't talked about, but we'll just kind of catch up with the state of things, and we can talk about some of the the more um, interesting games since there's been a lot since we talked last. Yeah, I mean, what's your what's your general feeling on the World Cup? Have you uh, been catching a lot of games, or the games that have stood out for you? I hate the World Cup this year. Um, mainly, <laughs> like I hate that it's in December, and I'm like way busier on the weekends and pretty much all the time. Like, I feel like the timing of it sucks. Cause like the times I can watch games is, is mostly on the weekend. 
and then it's like the busiest time of year for me and and doing family stuff and so i wish it was in the summer when i had more free time to just kind of watch games <laughs> um the games i've watched have been really interesting and and it's surprising like you know looking at like the england game the brazil game the portugal game like there's some big score big scoring games and uh it's a like i think at this point in the tournament you can you can see who's real serious and and there's been some surprises but i think at this point we've weeded out the less serious teams and you get like you get your surprises and and that's always fun too or you get the, the morocco game and um there's been lots of upsets and and drama and i i've the parts i have seen i've enjoyed it's just it's a shame i i'm not able to watch more of it just because of the timing yeah and i mean it's been nice to see some of the upsets and like you know like the saudi arabia game against argentina mm-hmm. uh japan against germany some of those early group stage a lot of the surprises towards the end of the group stage were against teams that had already kind of qualified and you know they were playing definitely their B slash C squad. So I wasn't as, I, I didn't think it was as crazy. Like the Brazil loss, uh, Portugal's loss. Like the, those teams were definitely not, not as surprising. Uh, it is amazing to see the quality is definitely winning out other than a, a few exceptions, you know, Germany not making it through the group stage, mm-hmm. Spain losing to Morocco. But for the most part, it's, it's not surprising, even you know, Netherlands being the U.S. was not a surprise. Uh, you're really seeing the the cream really rising to the top in this World Cup, and you know, with the exception of Morocco beating Spain, the uh, round of 16 was pretty straightforward. Yeah. Very, very like there were a lot of teams that just got drubbed, like Japan, South Korea, or not Japan. Japan did not get drubbed, but South Korea got drubbed. Uh, yeah. A lot of the the quote unquote surprise teams didn't do all that much. I mean, Australia against uh, Argentina, uh, Australia almost pulled it off. There was a point where they almost beat, got that goal in to get it to a, a draw. But yeah, it's it's been pretty straightforward. It does mean that the matches uh, matches in this quarterfinals are good. Like every single one of those matches, I look at it in the quarterfinal lineup. I'm like, I would wake up early for that game. Yeah, I so I haven't watched. I I didn't see the Morocco. I haven't seen any of Morocco's games. Are they are they mm-hmm. for real? Their defense is for real for uh-huh. sure. They're they're they've only allowed one own goal in the entire competition. Their defense is real. I don't know if they're they're. I mean, the thing is, they're playing Portugal, and I think Portugal, despite their their win, has some deficiencies and. Could be gotten out. They made Switzerland look pretty pedestrian. They did. And they have a lot of offensive weapons. But I look at that. Uh, I think a team that is less naive than uh, South Korea was could hold them. And I think that's what the any game that Morocco is involved in is just going to be Morocco holding them, looking for some sort of counter or something or going to penalties type of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not expecting Morocco to win, but I could see a way where they do. But yeah, I mean, I 
I would bet if I were a betting person, I would bet lots of money that Morocco doesn't make it to the uh, final for sure. Okay, so we're we're gonna let's let's do it this way. Sorry, we we mm-hmm. have so many things we could talk about. Let's let's focus it in a little bit. We've got the quarterfinals coming up. I want to hear your predictions for the semifinal matchup. So basically, you're going to tell me tell me who's going through to the next round. Okay. So yeah, tell me about you. You think Portugal's going to go beat Morocco? I'm. Um, yeah, if I had uh, betting my life on it, yeah, Portugal is going to beat Morocco. I think Portugal has a lot of offensive weapons, and especially if they don't start Ronaldo, I think that team's a better team without Ronaldo that, at this point. I, I'd say <clears throat> that sounds crazy, but it's not because <laughs> obviously, Man United came to the same conclusions. So is is it is he done? I mean, he's definitely past his peak, right? He's been past his peak for a couple of years. I mean, that's the reason why Juventus was trying to unload him. They, they, I think Juventus tried to get him on his last couple of years to gamble on winning Champions League. I, and I have a hard relationship with Ronaldo because I have a general bias to dislike him for the teams he's played for and his attitude and how he presents himself to the world. But you can't deny that he was one of the best players in the world. But in the last two years, he's been well off that pace. And I really do see a lot of parallels to how Portugal plays with uh, Ronaldo to how the Swedish national team played with uh, Zlatan towards the end, which is like, when he's on the field, all the players, you saw it on the, uh, the, the even when he was subbed in in the uh, round of 16, the whole dynamic of the team shifts to passing him the ball he's just so in charge and he just doesn't have the same pace he doesn't have the same abilities he had when he was even 30 that he does now and it's no surprise and i think it's it's been i think it was a very good move from the coach of portugal to bench him for that round of 16 game and really show that the portuguese team is much better than their uh than the the talismanic player i think it's sad for Ronaldo's career because he's going to be remembered not for going out gracefully but kind of going out kicking and screaming yeah that to me is the I mean I'm not a I'm not a big Ronaldo fan but um that to me is the, the sad part is when players just can't figure out how to ride off into the sunset at the right time and just want to keep chasing mm-hmm. and I'm like what are you expecting to get at this point if he ends up going to some Middle Eastern team to finish out his career or MLS or whatever it is. Is that how you want people's last memory of you to be? And and are you going to want to be remembered being on the bench in this Portugal run in the world cup? Like I'm sure he didn't think going into this world cup that this is where he would end up, but uh, it, it is difficult to measure when, when you can, bow out gracefully and go out on top because when you're in it, I don't think you realize it. Well, I mean, I think it's, it's very, I think it was very telling when you watch the end of the Portugal, uh, round of 16 game, he kind of celebrated with his team and then he just walked off straight to the the locker room while the rest of the team was still celebrating on the field with the fans. Mm -hmm. And you're just like looking at that. And like, even if you're not involved as much as you want to be on the team, you want to be a part of that team. And it's it's just very telling that he's 
you know, walking off early and he, that's what he was doing at a menu that made them want to get rid of him. And as I said, like, it's a sad way to end your career as a player that has had so much talent and so much victory. I think there's going to be a lot of people that remember this part of Ronaldo better than his peak years, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, he needs to remember his legacy a little bit. And I think he's just not thinking of that. And fair enough, you know, and he's going to go to the Middle East or the MLS and get a big payday because he totally needs more money, I guess. Yeah. But uh, I mean, there's a way to do it. Well, I was, you know, my favorite player of all time is Burkamp and how he kind of realized in his declining years that he wasn't the same player and was willing to take pay cuts and willing to take a more bench role and still be a part of the team is something to be emulated because you're just going to be remembered so much more fondly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, it's never been Ronaldo, the team player. It's been the team kind of shifting to accommodate him. And I just don't see that ever changing in the twilight of his career. Yeah. And I mean, like, and he's done a great job in his career of changing his position from like a, pacey tricky winger to a a center forward and you know he's extended his career and he's obviously a very fit person but i think it's all like you you have that but you also have his attitude which just i mean stinks you Mm -hmm. know and to to release that that interview right before the world cup with pierce morgan and just really throw i mean like i i think there's probably a lot of truth to what he said in that interview. I, I'm sure the training facilities and what he was talking about with that was probably not untrue, but that's, I really do feel that's an internal conversation you should have with your team as opposed to just going on the horn and blowing it, you know, to the world to see. Yeah, definitely. I just, it, it, when you get to the burning bridges portion of your career, maybe it's it's time to go. Yeah, and you don't have to burn bridges. No. But yeah, but despite all that, I think Portugal has a lot of other players that are amazing. Yeah. Joao Felix, uh, the, the player that uh, replaced him that I'm blanking on his name right now that just got the the hat trick. Oh, uh, um, is it Ra- Ramos? Yes. I don't, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, plays for Benfica. I could tell you all his stats and what he's yeah, been doing, but I'm uh, just blank. It's Ramos. Blank. Uh, Ramos. I can't remember. Is Giancarlo? Is that what his first name is? We're sure. on top of it. Yeah, it's. But, I don't uh, know how you pronounce it. G O N C A L O. Giancarlo. Uh, Giancarlo. But yeah, so I think Portugal has enough without Ronaldo to definitely advance past the uh, quarterfinal. Uh, you have Brazil, Croatia. Is another quarterfinal correct? Yes. And I think Brazil looks way too good. I think Brazil is going to just fly over that. They, It's not just the first team of Brazil. Like every, Their bench is just stupid as well. And I, I, I just can't see... There's a lot of players that I respect out of Croatia, but they're, they're, there's a lot of age in that team. And Brazil just looks so good. Yes. To be able to lose, uh, I mean, I think there was there was some thought, and maybe just in the Arsenal bubble, that that Jesus would be 
a, a starter on this team. And it's like, meh, he's not even going to crack the starting lineup. They heck, they don't even need him. He can <laughs> he can go home mm-hmm. and, and they're to- they'd be totally they're going to be totally fine. Like they, he's just not. Yeah. It's not even uh, a blip on the radar because they have so many other weapons. It's it's pretty crazy. So I think it's an easy win for Brazil, and we'll get into more specifics about uh, the Arsenal players mm. later in the podcast. Uh, then you have Netherlands, uh, Argentina, and it, that should that actually should be a really interesting game. Yeah, I'm not sure who I, I would pick as the favorite in that one. So Argentina is the team in my bracket that I have going all the way, and I'm kind of of the favorites. That's my all-in team. I really want Messi to win his World Cup. I think they have a lot of amazing tools but netherlands is a very interesting team cuz their their style is actually fairly boring and i'm not in love with how they play but it's very efficient and we saw that against the us who wasn't us wasn't a horrible team and that netherlands team just dismantled that us team in a lot of ways yeah but the us i mean i that game drove me nuts like some of that stuff i was just like man they're just letting the netherlands have have space i mean there was pretty much an open shot there, there are too many open shots at goal and i was just like mm. I, I i know the netherlands are good but i think they the u.s kind of was sleeping a little bit on a couple of plays there that really and you, you you gotta take the opportunities you get and i think netherlands definitely are are capable of doing that You're, they're gonna punish you for mistakes for sure yeah and no, i mean i think with the i mean talking about the u.s I think the biggest problem for the U.S. is that they didn't have a proven goal scorer. They didn't have anyone that could put it in the net, and you saw that. Mm-hmm. Like they scored what two goals in the World Cup, three goals, not three goals in the World Cup, and it wasn't from their strikers really. And you gotta, I think that was the big problem with the U.S. But I think the Netherlands, you know, getting back to that matchup with Argentina. I think the Netherlands Argentine game is going to be a very low scoring game, one, two goals in the game. And it's just going to be about if Argentina can just break past a very strong defensive line of Netherlands. But I I don't know if this is my heart talking, but I, I have a, a feeling that Argentina is going to get past it. That would be my prediction out of that game. Right. And I, I, like I said, it's kind of a toss up. It could, it, that's one of those games that could go either way. The other one that could go either way, I think, is England, France. That one's that one bothers me. I think France is probably going to be the better team on the uh, on the day. But it, it, that if England shows up, it's going to be um, a, a battle. Yeah, I mean, I always am of the opinion that the English national team gets overrated to a certain extent. And I think that there are some players that people think are better than they are. Okay. And yeah, sorry. Uh, I, I heard that cough. There. <laughs> but I think on, on a, if England is a hundred percent on their game, it will be a, I mean, that, to me, that's the game of the, uh, the quarterfinals. It's going to be such an interesting game. The French midfield is amazing. You have Griezmann, who I think is low-key one of the best players in the tournament right now. Mm. And he's just providing in the midfield and just uh, doing all the dirty work that uh, you know Mbappe doesn't do. And then just 
it, it kind of depends on Mbappe. If Mbappe has a world-class game is up for it. There's nothing that England can do to defend against him. I think that is the worry is England doesn't have that same type of absolute best in the world player. And Mbappe on his day is that mm-hmm. way. I think, you know, I, I, I want to spend a little time talking about Giroud because I, I love Giroud. I have always loved Giroud. I think it was a mistake to get rid of him. He's not the flashiest of goal scorers, but, you know, I beg to differ. It? Scorpion kick begs to differ. <laughs> <laughs> but he, you know, he just passed Henri as the uh, most goal scored for the French national team here. I mean, he's going to get passed by Mbappe very soon. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and I think you have those goal scoring threats. I think the defense is actually fairly robust. We haven't seen Saliba play for the French national team at all. And I'm, I was surprised because I thought he would be making the field, but even without Saliba, they have a very strong defense. They have a good keeper. I think French France edges this game, mm-hmm. but it's going to be close. I think there's going to be some goals. I'm going to say three two to France is where I'm going. I think that is definitely the must must watch uh, game on Saturday. And yeah, I would say Netherlands Argentina is right right there for Friday too. It's it, thank goodness they're both the 11, 11 a.m. slot. <laughs> um, I'll be awake for both of the uh, six o'clock because <laughs> of work, but yes. Yeah. So I would, you know, you know, France goes through against, you say Portugal and uh, Brazil. I, I don't know who gets the edge on the Netherlands, Argentina one. I, I think we've both said France gets, gets their the edge in their game, but I think that, Netherlands Argentina match is a little bit harder for me to to call. Yeah, I mean it, it is going to be a a close game. I see the thing is again you come down to the team game but they're like Messi if Messi has a Messi game and does what he did and scores a couple goals like I think it will be too much for Netherlands. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it get again you're going to get a little bit of their edge. On that, and I mean, you can't forget Di Maria as mm-hmm. well. And they, there's a couple players on that that Argentina team that can really take the game by the scruff. Right. But it's 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 going to be a close game, and I would not be surprised with either team winning. Well, I, I, a Argentina Brazil and France Portugal uh, semifinal round that doesn't oh. sound half bad. That's mouthwatering. That Argentina Brazil game, if that happens, is going to be mouthwatering. That South America battle is going to be pretty amazing. That's going to be, oh God. I, I like you almost want those two teams to advance just for that, that game. Cause it's going to, that, 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 that will be, uh, yeah. But, it, but if I say, I would, if, if I say Brazil, Netherlands, it's interesting in different ways, but not quite as, um, it doesn't have the venom to it. No, I mean, like the the thing about that Brazil Argentina game is they both know each other very mm-hmm. well. They played each other a lot. They played each other in qualifying. They play each other in friendlies all the time, like that. That and there's there's no love lost between those two teams. Like you know, Brazil Netherlands could be a fun game to watch, and there could be a lot of interesting tactical things. But that I would much rather watch a Brazil Argentina semi. Yeah, yeah, and I would say I I, I would salivate quite a bit for France Portugal uh 
semifinal as well, just based on the firepower that those teams have. They could, yeah, that could be quite the the shootout. Yeah, I mean, it, it'll also be interesting with a, a port. I mean, any of these uh, permutations are going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. We got well, we've got some games to go before we get to actually decide who's going to be in the semifinals, but um, that, there's some very very good games to to be played before we even get there. Um, so we should, uh, dig in a little bit to the Arsenal, uh, news that's, that's coming out because, um, you know, some, some big things are happening. We have some, some things that we have to sort out. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. uh, maybe we come to that part last because I think that goes right into another aspect of this conversation, but, um, Obviously, uh, Jaka got he he <laughs> he's had some interesting um, run-ins. You know, <laughs> he's he's in the front of uh, the Serbian crowd. Um, in, in, he's he's living rent-free in their heads, basically. Um, oh, I I I am here all day for that. This is like I was watching the game against Serbia. And, one of the things I, I loved about his performance in that game was that he got in their heads and got a little bit chippy, but he didn't go full red card crazy Jaka that we know and love. He 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 held himself back enough that he didn't get carded. And that's, for me, a very promising sign of maybe a, a little bit of maturity from uh, Jaka. If he's harnessed that, those powers, then he he's unstoppable. If you can just get to that line and not get the card, then... You can yeah. really mess with the other team, and he should. And that's he showed he, it. What he did, yeah, and it was great. Like that Serbia game, he a hundred percent did that, and it it was great to see. Uh, I mean, he was a little bit more anonymous in the uh, in the uh, Portugal game, and I was expecting a little bit more out of that Swiss team in general. But when I was watching that uh, Portugal Swiss game from a hot tub, which was amazing, Ooh, by nice. the way. Yeah, but I uh, I didn't really notice Shaka in that game. But for the rest of the World Cup, I think Shaka showed very well, and I I think he's just continuing what he's been doing this year. Yeah, in general, and I'm excited for him to have a couple weeks off in the uh, in the you know warm weather training that they're doing in du- Dubai. Dubai. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, it's a short trip for him. He gets back to the squad and I, I don't think the World Cup had any negative effects on him and I think possibly some positive effects on him. Yeah, I think he's he's got some momentum and didn't. Um, I don't think it will hurt him in any way to go out in, in the way that they did and I think he's he's got more to prove with the, with the Arsenal team. Yeah, I think it just... It, I think the World Cup has just probably energized him to finish the rest of the season, so... You know, World Cup grade, I give him a, a solid B. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Tommy Asu, the heartbreak of the Japanese Cinderella oh. story. But uh, yeah, he had, a, he had a bit of a tough uh, start to that game. He had a bad giveaway that almost turned into a goal, um, but didn't. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure he's, he's uh, going to kick himself for that, even though it didn't result in a... Uh, a goal for Croatia, but uh, to lose at penalties, that's rough. I, I like I said, mm-hmm. I'm not a huge fan of that as a decider, but uh, I'm sure that is not, not the way Japan would have wanted things to end. 
No, and you know the heartbreak for Japan, but at the end of the day, Japan had a great World Cup, uh, and you know beating Germany, and I think Tommy Asu was integral in that. And again, he didn't seem to take any knocks, and he seemed to be involved. And I think again, it's going to be energizing. I'd give him another solid B. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a world class performance in him in the World Cup, but he was he showed. I mean, thinking about Tomiyasu and where I personally viewed him when we signed him, which is who <laughs> to sh- to to showing what he can do in a in an international s- setting like that is 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 amazing. And I think the rest of the world has seen why he's become such an integral play- player to Arsenal. Yeah, and you know, one of the first players to make their way back to the team was uh, Thomas Party, And I think of everybody that we, want, we wanted to have a short, uneventful uh, run at the World Cup, it would be him because the long, I felt like the, the risk kept going up every game that he would have some, some other injury come up and I, I'm, I'm ready to wrap him up in, in uh, cotton or whatever you would do to protect him during the next yeah. few weeks until the season starts back up again. But, he was definitely the one that I had the most concerns about with his impact on the team, but uh, we'll uh, we'll see if if we can survive another injury crisis. But um, among other things, because there's other uh, pending things that could uh, also interrupt his season. Yeah, right. Um, but and I would give him definitely a C ish grade. He was in my mind, Ghana was fine, and he was fine but you know less impactful during the world cup i don't i didn't really notice any amazing play from him no when i watched so much of a, the arsenal play fo- like funnels through him or you know he's just such an integral part of our midfield and you see glimpses of it with the the Ghanaian team but he is um not as much of the focal point and so things kind of can pass him by and he can look a little more anonymous on that team. Yeah. I I think that would be the, the key descriptors anonymous, which is fine. Like from a purely selfish Arsenal point of view, he got through the world cup, no injuries, Mm -hmm. as you said, and it's back in training and hopefully we'll have a productive second half of the, uh, the season. And then of course, um, Matt Turner, had uh actually pretty good outing i thought against mm-hmm. I, against the netherlands um I, there was a double save in there that was pretty amazing like he he kept them he kept them i wouldn't say he kept them in the game but like it, it, it was a respectable outing from him and i think the the goals that that uh netherlands were able to score were not squarely on turner by any means um so yeah. i think the the stops that he did have put him in good light. I thought he actually had a pretty excellent world cup as far as, um, you know, expectations go. I, I was, he's, he's pretty much a new starter for the U S team. And, uh, I think people were not sure about him coming from MLS and, um, being relatively new to the Arsenal team. Um, there was a lot of scrutiny, with any goalkeeper in the U S you're going to have that, but 
he uh i think he acquitted himself well i think through the whole tournament and and probably elevated his status in a lot of people's minds yeah i mean he i mean at the tournament he allowed you know the goals for the the netherlands game but before that just allowed a penalty kick in in the group stage Mm -hmm. and you can't complain about it i was i personally was surprised even being fairly familiar with turner be especially as someone who hasn't really started that many games for arsenal to go in and and play as well as he did i think i was talking to my uh my buddy when we were watching the netherlands game about being on that team and being even uh even though they're very close in age being kind of mentored by uh, ramsdale and i think that's just going to improve his game mm. and i think you know his distribution maybe could be uh, a little bit better and that's where someone someone like ramsdale can really help him and the coaching staff at arsenal so i think we may have low-key picked up a really good goalkeeping prospect and you know it's he's not someone that's going to be starting for us anytime soon because we have Ramsdale, but we can either hope for the future or even he can be a player that could be sold on for a decent amount of profit. Mm-hmm. And he's a player I actually wouldn't mind maybe in January in the summer selling on for a decent profit if we need to to generate funds. Oh yeah, I could see it. Um, of course we have the uh, the English contingent. And uh, I think mostly this has been talking about upgrading the status of a player. Uh, Sokka has looked as good as anyone in the tournament. I think he's been one of the more consistent players um, across any team. It's funny for me because, and I think you probably feel the same way anyone when listening to the podcast feels the same way, which is we're not surprised by his performance no. on the English national team. He's been doing this for the last couple of years at Arsenal. And it's just, it's, it's satisfying in a lot of ways to see other people go like, Oh, this guy is actually legit good. He's been getting his goals and been doing, been very dangerous and looking really, really good. The one surprise I've seen in the English media, when I've been listening to some, some podcasts that are not Arsenal podcasts, just general soccer podcasts is there was a big call for him to be benched during the quarterfinal game and have Rashford come in instead. Why? And I was, he scored two goals in the uh, other game. Oh. And I, I do think it's kind of a little bit of grass is greener tinkering mm-hmm. mentality of like, you need to fill airwaves or whatever. But I, I, I just can't understand that mentality. Yeah. Because he's obviously been the source of much of England's joy in goal scoring, and I'm utterly excited for him. I mean, the only bad thing is his profile is raising, and it's going to make it harder for us to resign him. I still it, they'll get they'll get it done, and just might cost him a little bit more. Yeah, but uh, that's my only downside from having such a, a great World Cup so far. Yeah. No sign of Ramsdale yet, but uh, Ben White had to make his way back home for some personal matter, and uh, it sounded like that was on the serious side. So hope hope all is well on his end, and that he's able to um, rejoin the Arsenal team sooner than later. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, I saw the uh, the other uh, what's his name, uh, 
uh, Sterling had to go home for some personal reasons, but I missed the, uh, yeah, Ben, Ben the, White as well. He, he started out being sick and then it turned into some personal issues. So he is no longer oh. with the team. I mean, to be fair, I don't think he was probably seeing, seeing how the England team has been setting up and, uh, kind of the pecking order. I wasn't expecting him as the tournament started to get any minutes. Now. Right. Yeah, maybe not a big loss, and he stays out out of the out of harm's way for the time being. Yeah, um, and I hope uh, whatever's uh, going on gets resolved quickly. Yeah, and beneficially. And last but certainly not least, the Brazilian guys, uh, Martinelli. Do we? Oh, yeah. I was going to say, do we talk about the good before we talk about the bad? Yeah, I wanted to save this uh, this one, but yeah, we we should talk about Martinelli first. Um, Definitely uh, another profile-raising uh, tournament for for him. And I think it's interesting that Brazilian fans don't really know him that well. Um, because mm-hmm. as, as some other people have mentioned, he is not somebody that came up, even though he came up through the, the lower leagues in in Brazil, he never got to the level where he became a household name in Brazil, in the Brazilian league or anything like that. He got kind of pulled out before he was able to get to that level, and so um, he 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 maybe in the conscious consciousness of the Brazilian fans, but uh, they don't have the reverence for him to the level of of some of the other players. And of course, there's so many great players it's hard to make that sort of breakthrough and, and have that sort of attention at his level yet. So um, I think this is eye-opening for Brazilian fans as well to see what he's capable of. And as, as Arsenal fans, we already knew. And it's just a matter of getting in the minutes and the opportunity. And I think he's definitely uh, proven that he can be a goal-scoring threat and, and be somebody that could contribute. But it's so tough to... Uh, be at the level of, of the top first team, um, for Brazil, they just have so much talent. So it's going to be tough, tough to break in, but he, he's, he's definitely sure that he can keep up. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, when the, uh, the final group stage game for Brazil, where they started basically their B team, mm-hmm. which would be most national teams, a team, let's yeah. just be honest, but, uh, but when they started their B team and he was, I'm going to say the only player, but probably of the only players that really shone brightly in that, that, that loss to Cameron, mm-hmm. I believe Cameron. And, uh, I think he showed himself really well and he showed, I think Tete has a, I think obviously he's not going to start him still because his other starters have also shown very well, but he, he makes it so that he's a first option off the bench and, as you said, I think a lot of people are realizing that this guy's a little bit special. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just like uh, with Sokka, it's fun to see other people start to see these players that we see we can wake out, really start making a name for himself. And he's a player that I know we haven't re-signed, but is going to be an easy re-sign from all the the indications is that he's super happy at Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Arsenal's super happy with him, and it's just going to be a matter of putting that pen to paper. Yeah. And I, I see him playing an integral part off the bench for for Brazil, and he's 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 looked great. Yeah, speaking of peaking, uh, or you know, in, playing integral parts. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, 
Jesus has left the Brazilian team with a an apparent knee injury, an MCL injury. Um, he has already had some sort of repair surgery, which has gone well from what the Arsenal team news said. Um, what is been left out of the team news is how long the recovery process is going to be. And that's, I guess, down to the individual and how well they uh, react to the rehabilitation and that sort of thing. Um, I mean, the numbers I was hearing, it was about three months. That was, I'd say that's, that's a good, good place to start. <laughs> yeah. It could go longer. It could be shorter, but let's, we'll, we'll say it's a solid three months before we see him back. Um, which I think was what that puts us somewhere mid, mid February, mid to late February. Um, no, that's two months. So it'd be after that. It'd be like probably early, early to mid March. Uh, yeah. I mean, th- this is the worst nightmare, not the worst nightmare, but this is what we were not wishing for <laughs> during this world yeah. cup for sure. And especially in a position that we were already pretty thin mm-hmm. on. And, uh, you know, it, it just really means that in January, that striker picking up a striker is going to be high on the list because we, we, we can't go two months with the striker core that we have. I just don't think we can. Yeah. So it, it, the, the options look like this. We've got Eddie and Kedia who can't play three months worth of games all alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, you have nobody off the bench and there's just no way he can do that. Um, you have, I think the option to recall Balogun from loan, which that's another Enkedia situation. Like who are you going to, like it, it, you might get a great player. You might not. He probably needs more development time. Um, or you go out, you go out and spend, well, no, there's one more option. You play, you play Martinelli there and we've seen him kind of sw- swapping with uh, Jesus on the wing. So he is capable of playing through those central areas. It's not some place that uh, Arteta has started him at previously, but the way that the team has kind of floated and interchanged, it's not like it would be a huge drastic uh, switch. The issue would be then going out and finding uh, somebody to replace him on the wing, which could be Emil Smith Rowe if he's coming back. I was just going to say, that's it. Like for the first month until we hit the January transfer window, I think that's the the only option i mm-hmm. i mean i i've been called out for it before i'm i'm very low on enkedia mm-hmm. i i don't i just i don't think he has it and i i am fearful if enkedia is our starting striker for those games i would much rather have martinelli striker smithrow replacing martinelli i could i could really see martinelli taking the Henri path and starting out his career is kind of coming in from the wing and then really flourishing when he finds himself in that central position as, as a true striker. Like that would not surprise me at all. No, I I think that's the best option, but then going forward. Yeah, I think it just, I I was clamoring for a striker in the January transfer window already, Mm -hmm. and it just kind of heightens it. But as my friend and friend of the podcast, Jordan has asked me really well, which is, 
who do you get then? Like, there's not a there's not a dearth of available great strikers. I mean, I hear Ronaldo's on the uh, on the uh, no, he he flies in the face of everything we're trying to do. I know. I was just joking, there's, there's no way I can't even laugh about that. <laughs> but uh, I mean, for me, they're they're. I mean, if you want to get into a little bit of like in the World Cup strikers, Gakpo. Mm-hmm whose price tag has just gone up by like 30 million easily pounds because of this world cup. A striker that I've, I've been thinking about is Mbolo from uh, the Swiss national team. And he hasn't had the greatest of world cups, but I've liked him when he's played in the, the Bundesliga and he is definitely available. And I think we could probably get a decent price for him, especially because he didn't have a great world mm. cup. He did score a couple goals, but he hasn't had a great world cup. And but then I'm just really struggling to think of anybody else right now. Excuse me. Do you have any? I was thinking of somebody from the Portuguese team would be a nice addition. Um, Both matching uh, the the preferred language of the team, it seems. (laughs) But yeah, you know, you've got. it's hard because there's the the all out strikers are are hard to come by. There's lots of yeah. There's lots of wingers and forwards and players who could potentially play in that position, but maybe not true true strikers. Um, but yeah, I mean, you you look at the hat trick hero from the Portuguese game, and Ramos it looks like a a type of player that could be handy on on a team uh, on a team like ours. Uh, Joao Felix, I I think is is a yeah. Is a shoe it would be a shoe in. Uh, he he's the right age, the uh, right profile. Um, can create and score. I mean, uh, he, but again, not not your necessarily your striker uh, that you we've built the team around. I mean that's that's the hard thing is we don't. There's not a like for like out there as far as what Jesus does. Yeah, I mean you look at a Ramos and. His price tag went up. If you if you think uh, uh, Gakpo's oh, price tag's gone up, Ramos's price tag has gone up insane. And that's one of the things you don't want to do no. from a transfer strategy is base your 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 transfers on a good World Cup because it's like what at most an eight game like, yeah uh, trial. I uh, I love Joao Felix, but I don't think he is a striker. Right, like he's not the type of striker that you need. I, I like. I would hands down, if we had the opportunity, buy Joao Felix, but he doesn't really solve the problem that we're looking for. Unless you play Martinelli there and that you, you commit to that and and go out and get a winger like you wanted to in the first place. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, I would have said Isak, but he's... Just, I mean, Isak, I was talking to my buddy from Newcastle, and Isak's someone that might be available because he hasn't been seen a lot of time for Newcastle. He's been injured but I think Newcastle will probably want to stick with him a little bit longer to see if that works out for him. Uh, but yeah, there's not a, I mean, I think that's why you're seeing like Holland go for the price that, or the, at least the wages that he went for. I'm not seeing a lot of other just easy strikers that fit our age profile too. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't want to buy another 35 year old, old striker. I don't know. I I'd mean, take the back. <laughs> oh god, I would big. I, I, I we should have never let Giroud go, in my opinion. Just 
Just and bring him back for the stretch run. You know, second half of a season, he can just go all out. He he's got nothing. He doesn't have to play for anything else after this. Just yeah. get Arsenal to the Champions League. Get maybe get that title, and then go out in a blaze of glory. I mean, I mean, you joke, but it's it's not a horrible shout. He's been on fire for Milan. He, I have a good friend that's a Milan fan, and he loves Giroud. It's obvious that he still has at least a half a season left in the tank. Yeah. Make it happen. I, 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 I think the price on that would be insane. <laughs> I think we would get hosed. You get no money. You'd get no money on your investment back because you're just literally buying them for that half season. Just, to just put all all in on a half season just to get get it done. <laughs> yeah. And so I would like him to come back, but I don't think the... Because, uh, I mean, the, if you look at what he does and what Jesus has been doing well for us... So, so different. And it's, yeah. But I just... I, I that That's not going to happen, so... <laughs> I I I don't know the 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 right decision on that, but it is a decision that has to be made. We have to find a striker. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and Balogun might not be a bad shout either. Recalling Balogun because at least he's a Quano. We know the training staff is pretty high on him. We gave him a pretty big contract uh, extension. Uh, but it's not a sure deal. Yeah. But then again, I don't think there's any sure deals out there that I can think of right now. Uh, there's uh, Pe- was his name Peacock, uh, the Union Berlin striker, American striker that U.S. should have brought to the World mm-hmm. Cup. Uh, there is, I mean, the thing is, a lot of strikers just moved in this last transfer window. And so you're not going to get that two transfer window. And if you do, there's some weird rules about it because, uh, God, I'm forgetting his name that, uh, was just bought from union Berlin blanking on his name completely right now, but I was high on him. But if we, I don't think we could buy him cause he's already been transferred once in the last six months. Mm, right. So yeah, I don't, it's, it's not ideal it was kind of the risk going into the season, the way we did our transfer policy. And maybe, uh, maybe the uh, staff is higher on Nketiah than I am. And maybe he can do a job would be, I think, unfortunately the, uh, the best solution. He does look better when he gets starting minutes and can be, get into a rhythm. I will, I will give him that. But it's going to take three, four games for him to get into that rhythm. And uh, if we're, genuinely trying for the 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 title we don't have three or four games to give him well if he i i do feel like if he knows going in and and i'm sure he's going to get a run of games because we have to have somebody filling that role until the transfer window opens um he he maybe he if he knows in the dubai camp that he's going to be the guy that gives him the right mentality to get hit the ground running. And he's going to have some training games playing against well, who else? Who do we have? Leon, um, and a friendly Milan, uh, Milan. Yeah. And, uh, Juventus. And so uh, he's going to get some chances to, to get tuned up in that striker position. So maybe, maybe those help him hit the ground running when the pre, when the, um, Premier League comes back. 
Yeah, and I mean, he will have something to play for. He's definitely going to be playing for a new contract or a, a big move. Mm. So he's definitely going to have the motivation. We'll see. I just, I as I said, I've always been, or not always, but I'm just kind of at this point unconvinced by him. But at a certain point, it is the only option. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, pretty much the worst worst news we could get out of the World Cup short of, well, I'm not even going to say the other thing. Um, yeah, but you know, we, we need to get the rest of our boys back in, in, in safe, uh, and, and, and sound. We don't need any more injuries with the, the few that remain in the, in the tournament and, you know, just, a, just a few games left, but we, we just gotta see this thing through and get the team back in one piece. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I I think that's that's all I've got. We've we kind of touched on the, the people that have caught our eye, but you know, we could we could is there anybody else that you'd see short of another striker or is there anybody else that caught your attention that would would be a good Arsenal addition? Not really. I mean, like the thing about World Cups these days is it's a lot a lot different from when I first started watching World Cups in 1990 where like there were surprise players or like people you hadn't heard of most of the people you see on the field these days you've heard of. I'm, I'm interested to see what this Moroccan team, just to see if there's anybody on that team. Cause I know less about them than in any other team. Mm-hmm. And there might be someone eye catching, but there's no one that is like jumped out of me. It's like, Oh, this is a surprise as someone I've never heard of that. I want to see. Right. Well, I am very curious what the transfer window is going to be like, but we've got we've got some time before that happens. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see which of these World Cups stars end up getting the big contracts coming into the January window. Oh, Gakpo is going to get a huge contract for sure. It's it's not even funny. <laughs> well, like you said, with the lack of of people playing his position, he's sure to get some a lot of bites for sure. Um, all right, let's let's wrap things up for this week. Uh, if you want to send us some questions for our next episode, there's a few ways you could do that. Uh, Twitter is at W of N London. Email us at westofnorthlondon at gmail.com. Voicemails can go to anchor.fm slash westofnorthlondon slash message. Discord is the best way to hang out with us in between games, through games, all the time. Um, you can find a link to that in our show notes. We'd love to have you over there. And I appreciate you listening to us this week and every week. If you haven't done so already, review and subscribe wherever you're listening to this right now. And if you like our theme song, check out Bobcat. They are B-O-B-C dot A-T. You can find their latest album and much more at their website. All right, that's it for us this week. So as always, see you at the next gun show.